Hey there, film fans. I am Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies both new and old with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right, people. And to make sure we don't get lazy with our criticism, making negative, snarky, snide remarks, we are making this episode a drinking game. Yes, this <sighs> episode is a drinking Anytime game. <laughs> you hear this sound, that means we're Ooh. drinking. You just heard John crack a beer. We are ready to go, people. We hope you drink along with us and have some fun. Let's do it. So pour yourselves a glass and give it up for some films we love. And that is all. That is all. How about it? <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's keep uh, let's keep the opening remarks going with a couple shout-outs. John, what do you say? Shout-outs. We have a beer sponsor because we're a drinking podcast. His name is Carlos Barozzo. The handle is at Barozzo Bar twenty nineteen. That's on Instagram. If you want to give him a follow, that is B A R R. Oh Jesus! I thought you forgot it. two zero one nine. If you want to give him a follow, he would love that. He's got a bunch of fun posts. I'm drinking. I'm dry. I had a strong beer sip before this. And the music on this episode and every single motherfucking episode is provided by the artist Dasein. That's Dasein. D-A-S-E-I-N. If you're digging the music, you can find all of it available for free downloads. Just head over to soundcloud.com forward slash Dasein dash artist. He also does Man, children's parties. He does he, oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. A strong, I had a strong. Oh, my God. <laughs> he said, I have a strong beer sip, is what he said. I think, uh, uh, I did, I I did think the, char- I the characters in our second film to be discussed today would laugh in your face if you said that. I'm yeah, so sorry. Yeah, I had a big I'm excited beer sip. to talk about that. No, 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 you're good. Just the last thing, since this is still my job, I guess, if you could love us, like us, subscribe, rate, review, all those damn things, mm. at the Love of Cinema pod on every platform except for Twitter, it's just at the Love of Cinema there. That's right. Carlos, I'm sorry. I swear to God, I know how to spell your handle. Jeff, what are we doing today? Yeah, we got two Oscar <laughs> films for you. We've been watching Oscar movies for a while, but before we get too caught up into our featured segment, which will come at you in just one second, we promise we want to keep you up to date with what we've been watching in case it's something non-Oscar related that you might be relating to us. So. Dave, have you been able to watch anything else? Oh, I have definitely been watching some non-Oscar related stuff. Um, I, um, my wife put on Dracula, the old Keanu Reeves one. She's like, I've never seen it. I want to see what it's like. And the result was hilarious. <laughs> it's, it is so bad. Really? I don't think I know which, ver- which version is that. Keanu Reeves is in Dracula? Bram Stoker's Dracula, 92, I think it is. Uh, oh, it's, shit, uh, no, it's Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder. It's like drinking game gold. So yeah. yeah, we um we caught some of that, and then I for fun sat down and watched THX eleven thirty eight. Was that the first time you've seen that? Uh, yes, it is, and that's yeah, it's George Lucas's first film. Yeah, how did he get mm-hmm. Duvall for his first film? Like I have no seriously, idea, like dude. I think it's because of Coppola. <laughs> Maybe because he yeah. knew him, and they, I think they had done something together. But uh, yeah, isn't that ridiculous? And, and they filmed also, it in the uh, the mm-hmm. um, Frank Lloyd Wright Museum, didn't they? I believe so, yeah. San Francisco, which is also like, how did they get Yeah, there? and a car park. There's one, there's one corridor that's a car park, very obviously a car nice. park. Um, but I also, again, caught up with the latest episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And if everyone's been kind of wading through going, oh, it's not really grabbing me or, you know, oh, I'm waiting for the big moment. This week was the big moment. Uh, it had a serious uh, episode, four. episode four, and it has a okay. serious, oh, fuck moment at the end nice. of it. Really? Yeah. Nice. I'm excited. Yeah. Hey, Dave, I, uh, you for- Dave, you forgot to mention that in Dracula, it also stars Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman, who are both nominated for Oscars this year, and you yada yada them for nothing, even though we're on an Oscars <laughs> fucking podcast. So for that, 
get it. Yeah, get in there. <laughs> yeah, in case anyone's not up to speed. Up until yes. now, I'm the only one that has access to these buzzers. Uh, tonight, I gave these lunatics access to the buzzers. Oh my god, that's so much fun! Yes, that was Let's the inaugural it. us buzzing, Dave. We're so excited to keep going. <laughs> it's the first time uh, that's happened. John, what are you watching? I uh, yeah, I uh, I caught up. So last week when we got off, I watched the third episode of Doctor Winter Soldier. I'm still enjoying it. I can't wait to watch that episode four. Uh, mm. Other than that, I had some family and friends visit this week safely, of course. Everybody, mm-hmm. I've been vaccinated, um, so I have not caught up on anything other than these two movies. I'm excited to talk about it, Jeff. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat. I watched a lot of Masters this weekend. It's really, really cool, mm-hmm. I know. And then I watched an episode I of TV. I did watch that, yes. <laughs> and then I watched an episode of TV that I had already seen before. So there you go. People, we <laughs> are two weeks away from the Oscars. We record live every Sunday night at 7.30 p.m. Almost every Sunday night at 7.30 p.m. Live <laughs> on Twitch. Live on YouTube. Find us in the show notes if you want to know where you can find those. And next week, this is going to be, I believe, the 18th of April. Sunday, the 18th of April. Hopefully you're listening to this in the next week. We are going to be doing our picks live. We have seen, I think, every single film that is nominated in the quote-unquote above-the-line category. So writing, acting, etc. The narrative the, fictions. The White Tiger is the only one we didn't talk about, but uh, John and I have seen that, so I think that's mm. enough to get us going. So, yeah. please tune in to hear our picks, who we think should win, who we think will win next week, fourth, the, 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 the 18th of April. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a record skip there. Um, but yes, this is our 14th week of watching Oscar movies. We are so close to seeing as many as uh, we're going to have to just put a lid on it soon. Um, we are saying two movies today. Wow. We're going to talk about two movies today. <laughs> we're doing great. Not, we're doing yeah, great. So it's, we're going to be talking about two movies. Who had six beers before this show? <laughs> we're gonna be, yeah, we did meet early and get started early. We're going to be talking about two movies that have three Oscar nominations between the two of them. The second film that we'll be, watch, we'll be talking about a little bit later in our podcast is going to be another round, which answers the question, if he were a public school teacher, how would Brett Kavanaugh behave? Oh my Jesus, mm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't fast enough. Dave, you got there first. Uh, anytime, anytime Jeff pauses to set up a joke, my finger reaches for that button. It's just, uh, there's a delay the on the, the footage, so I don't know. Um, and then we're, we're going to get started first here, though. Oh, sorry, I should say that that is nominated for two Oscars. Best Director for Thomas Vinterberg, which is a category that I had some issue with before I had seen this film. So we'll see if it lived up to my you know, worthiness of a Best Director uh, nomination. And then Best Foreign Language Film, which I believe it's the front runner for since its director is nominated. It probably means, A, a lot of voters have seen this movie, and mm. B, it's pretty damn good. So it might be the front runner in the foreign language category. That is another round, which is available for stream on... Hulu. 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 First... For our featured segment, we are going to be talking about Pieces of a Woman. It is that movie that you have seen on your Netflix <laughs> your Netflix queue for the yeah. past four months. And every single time you saw it, you went, I don't know about today. I don't know if yeah. today is the day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I have the bandwidth for this till the, yeah. <laughs> but we did it. Vanessa Kirby has been nominated for everything, including the upcoming Oscar. And it is our weekly reminder that British acting schools are really, 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 really good. Even wow. yeah. and they also are really good at teaching an American accent, and also just that women have it harder than us. They just do. They do. We they didn't need do. that reminder in this film. That's not what the movie's about. But I mean, it, they just do. This is uh, pieces of a woman. It is about 
When a young mother's home birth ends in unfathomable tragedy, she begins a year-long odyssey of mourning that fractures relationships with loved ones in this deeply personal story of a woman learning to live alongside her loss. That's right. It is not about mm. the home birth that turns into a loss, although that is a 30-minute sequence that ends with the opening title scroll. It's one of the latest opening title scrolls I've ever seen in a movie. Um, but the majority of the movie is about her coping with it for the next year, which again, that's it's a premise that sounds like a tough watch, um, but I think think it's nominated for a lot of things for a good reason so we're happy to talk about it this is directed by <laughs> uh, a hungarian director named good luck. i think cornell mandrusko uh, i'm so sorry who, if we're getting that wrong i'm so sorry if we're getting this wrong I, I tried to look up who he is and who to how to pronounce this and the town in hungary that he is from has three umlauts in the name so i didn't even try it's just i'm staying away from a hungarian Please language Please try. It. I don't even. I don't even think. I don't even think Victor Krum knows how to speak in a Hungarian. Uh, speak the Hungarian accent. So hey, uh, we're gonna go fun. ahead, and it's written by Kata Weber, I believe is how it's it's pronounced. Again, Vanessa Kirby is your star. That is the mother with the home birth. Her partner in this film, not not husband, but partner, is Shia LaBeouf. Mm. who has this one go-to character with a beard when he has to be like a grungy working class dude. It's the same character in every movie and it's really good. And it's, it's Anyway, and then you have Academy Award nominee and former president of the actor studio, Ellen Burstyn, still, still making movies and still doing a good job. Sarah Snook from Succession is in there and then a couple of other familiar faces. But that is it. That is my opening piece. Who would like to get us started with initial reactions to Pieces of a Woman? I went first last week, so John's up. <laughs> okay, I did. I want. I, I I'm excited to get to go first because I wanted to ask you guys if you agree with this. My overwhelming sentiment about watching this film as a as just an audience member. I'm not even talking about what the actual, you know, the technical aspect of this film. I was disappointed, probably the most out of all the Oscar movies that I didn't get to see this in a theater because I was a little bit. I was very affected by bringing that intense amount of sadness into my home. This is one of those movies that I miss being able to disconnect and go to a theater and have an experience inside of this place that's not my house. Uh, yeah. This is a very powerful and sad movie, and I think it's really good, and I think it affected me a lot. And I was just a little depressed afterwards that yeah. I walked around <laughs> in the same living room and, and you know hallways that, that I watched that movie in. Um, I just wanted to get that out of the way just because Jeff made that joke at the beginning, but I think it's totally true. I think this has been on Netflix since January 9th or 6th or something mm. like that. And everyone I know has kind of resisted seeing it because everyone has kind of read what the blurb is about. And you're like, oh, shit, I just don't know if I want to do that. And I think what we're actually saying is I don't know if I want to do that in my home. I, I think yeah. I would have been way more willing to go see this in a theater no matter what the subject matter was about. It's so an I don't interesting know reaction. I didn't even think of that. That's actually a really know, good like point. Especially with thinking about, especially if you know that the performance is good, and I'm not saying that the Oscars are always correct as like the best performances of every year, etc. But she's nominated for everything. It's probably a good sign that she's really fantastic, which of course she is. And so this is the kind of thing that you go to the theater, you see, and then you decompress on the way home, so that by the time you get home, hopefully you can put it up to the side. I, I agree, exactly. John. That's a good point. Exactly. Uh, so technically, I just want to say this, first things first, and I think all the reviews I read kind of, not that we rely on that crap, but sometimes I just wanted to see if everybody was on the same page. Uh, this movie feels like two different movies to me, and I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. The opening birth scene is a 30-minute warner, basically. And mm. 
I loved it. I was really captivated by everything about the opening short film. It's basically a short film. And um, I think if I have only one negative thing to say about this movie is that it, it, it isn't shot like that and it doesn't quite feel like that for the rest of the movie. It kind of feels like a different movie. And I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. It just feels different. So I'm kind of curious how you guys landed on that because I think it, it ended up kind of turning into something really interesting for me in the last like 20 minutes. But that middle section felt so different than the first section that I, I wasn't quite sure if I was, if my momentum was increasing as an audience mm. member or if I was kind of pulling yeah. away from it a little they, bit. I mean, the the one they did use again a couple of times throughout the film and every time they did it, it was to ramp the tension. It was before mm-hmm. an, like a, a cathartic event or something or like an argument or something. They, they yeah. used it a couple of times throughout the film. So I, it didn't bother me so much because it was... Definitely a device. I mean, it was used to amazing effect in the first 20 minutes of this film, not 22 minutes of this film. Vanessa Kirby won the Best Actor at the Venice Film Festival. And um, I I understand why. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. sure what else uh, premiered there last year, but what a performance. Um, what do you guys think about her and Shia LaBeouf? Uh, just as casting, did you, did you really enjoy their chemistry? Or did you... Were, Sometimes with movies like this where spoiler alerts, folks, there's, you know, there's a tragedy. I think we all know that just from reading the blurb. And because of that tragedy, uh, they may or may not make it, uh, this couple that you're kind of following on screen. And I, I feel like that hurts the most when you really play against that. Um, and I'm not quite sure if I felt like they were absolutely perfect for each other, just in terms of chemistry and casting from the beginning. It kind of s- smelled like something was a little bit off. Um, like, and I'm not, I'm not saying b- because they messed up in their casting. I think they may have just hmm. uh, written it in such a way and cast it in such a way that I kind of felt like I was predicting their their rift. And I'm not quite sure. I think they're both wonderful actors, and I think that they both did uh, some strong work. I just don't know if I loved them together in this film the entire I mean, time. Would it, they 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 set him up at the beginning to be really crass and brash and then they introduced him and her like there was the argument over the mother at the very beginning uh and quite frankly i was just waiting for her to push that mother down the stairs at some point it's um (laughs) she did phenomenal she did a phenomenal job of making you hate her guts but um i actually really this is one of my favorite shia labeouf roles like because he nice dude like when he came in um and like the events started like the 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 big one starts and um he his attitude was wholly supportive and he's distracting her and he's like you know he's keeping her calm he's he's doing everything that a supportive partner would and in that in that one scene in particular the chemistry worked and i mean after that it was destroyed because yeah obviously um but yeah they i, th- I feel like maybe you're right they set him up a little wrong um, but in that one scene where the, the, the birth was happening, I was hundred percent on board with the chemistry. So power. I, I agree. I, and I, it kind of the different movies thing. I think I didn't really feel that way until after the, the big, uh, 30 minute opening, mm. but again, not a negative thing. And I couldn't agree with you more, Dave. I feel like he is, a. you might not, you might not personally love Shia LaBeouf, but I think he's a talented, good actor. I think yeah. he has a, he brings a lot of really, really kinetic urgency to everything he does. And I feel like this role specifically, there were a lot of traps uh, just in the way it was written that I think he avoided. I think a lesser talent would have probably, you know, struggled pushing through some of those really dramatic fights, especially with Ellen Bernstein. I could have seen a, a lesser actor just feeling 
feeling like they were stepping in all all those kinds of potholes and trying to make too much out of it when you, you know you wouldn't actually talk to your mother-in-law that way yeah you know, like i think he did that well he handled it well he got out quickly he the the beginning of some of the fights with vanessa kirby's character he didn't you know sit in this mm. like dramatic lull the entire time i felt like he he really embraced momentum which was extremely important in a intense tragedy like this movie this movie would have felt twice as long if every actor had taken 10 seconds before they spoke their lines so yeah. i appreciated that from the yeah. actors and the tom jokes. hanks would not have survived this movie <laughs> <laughs> jeff what do um, you think dude yeah i i liked it too it's it's definitely you know we've been watching a lot of oscar movies and and they're all kind of a different hang like very few of them leave you like yeah at the end of any of these yeah. movies that we've been watching um so yeah I, I agree with everything you guys have said so far as far as shy and vanessa kirby it's it's so tricky first of all there's there's a little bit too much metaphorical dialogue for me which is not a negative to like take away from the movie but they're way too many metaphors the white stripes metaphor the the yeah. mom the the grandma with the the heartbeat and her she picked her head up or whatever metaphor sorry those are niche if you haven't seen the film yet but there's just like a, a couple they're laying it on a little thick with the writing as far as as far as the chemistry I think okay this, yeah that's fair <laughs> <laughs> yeah as far as the chemistry I think you're fair it's such a tough balance though because Shia definitely went all in for the working class like him and John Barenthal both are really good friends and they do this where they go they're like I'm fucking working class I'm not the kid from even Stevens motherfucker he's got a beard he reminded me of him in both Nymphomaniac and the Peanut Butter Falcon which I saw recently where he's basically homeless and like not a good person in either of those I, I'm with Dave 100% the chemistry was so so good at the beginning and that whole opening sequence this home birth thing the oneer worked so well because you, they were able to like move and kind of look away without cutting. Because sometimes cutting and editing is really tricky because it can be like, "Look at this now," and obviously, I, I'm not hmm. saying that all directors are cinematographers. As well, you two actually, are. that's exactly yeah, but, why they didn't do it. Exactly, because then you can feel yourself just like look away and take a breather, right? Well, it was more they shifted perspective. They used the camera yeah. to shift perspective, um, and it was they, they actually every single character in that scene gets almost equal time on screen. Mm. Oh my gosh! And the way they have the um, the backup um, delivery, midwife. like home home delivery midwife, yeah. the way she comes in and she's such a secondary character, and then you can start to see it spiral a little bit when there's complications. And then I I felt myself like relieved and tearing up when the when you heard the baby, and I was like, oh mm. yeah, and her. sucker punch. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But then yeah, the next part of the movie, you know, it it takes some some effort, I think, on the the viewer because you know that as the title of the, the description says, it's going to be about her rec- like dealing with this. <laughs> and that's not a very, because usually you lead up to a set piece like that, or, you know, not usually, but I would say most movies you're waiting for the thing, right? And Rocky, you're waiting for the fight. Like you're waiting for the thing. And this, the thing happens at the beginning. And then you're dealing with the aftermath for an hour and a half. And so, yeah, some of the chemistry stuff worked better than others. Sometimes Shia was really sensitive. Sometimes you're like, this is never going to fucking work out, which I think is a good thing to suggest that, um, so yeah, I think overall, like I did think this is a great film, but I I have to be, you got to be in the right mindset because if you're not ready for it, you're you're not going to want to make it all the way through. So you got to make the commitment. You got to make the commitment. Yeah, it's, it is definitely one of those. Like I I just it's a brutal opening, and the story is harsh. And uh, if anyone you're watching this with has gone through this, like severe okay. trigger warning. Yeah. Like because they Absolutely. they do it yeah. very very well. Yeah, it is very realistic. Um, I think one thing that 
that dragged me down just a little bit was that in the latter hour and a half of this film, after that opening, I kept, I kept hoping that, that the, the trauma that they experienced, since this was clearly going to be an extended family drama, we were introduced to her sister, her mother, her sister's husband, uh, a cousin um, who represents them uh, as a lawyer. So I kept thinking like, all right, cool. We have an extended family drama here. There was this traumatic opening I wonder if this movie is going to end up being about that issue, uh, kind of what you're thinking it's going to be about. Like, or, or I was kind of hoping it was going to kind of do a, an ordinary people thing. I don't know if y'all have seen that movie, mm. but I think the, the genius of ordinary people is that after a really intense traumatic death in the family, it, it, it ends up being less about the issue of that child's death and more about the issues that the rest of the family has with each other. So my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in this movie even though I kind of agree with you, Jeff, I don't know if it was written super, super well, was the fight scene, the, the awkward, terrible, awkward dinner preparation scene that we don't ever actually even make it to the dinner yeah. at the mother's house, Ellen Bernstein's house, uh, kind of all the way through. I like the I like the way it ends with her basically paying Shia LaBeouf to never come back. That's great. Um, That's great. So like the, the sentiment of that scene and the story, if we were just writing the story of this film, not the actual dialogue, I really liked what they did there. I think I wanted even more of that. I kind of wanted this trauma to either destroy this family or make them stronger because of it. And it kind of ends bullseyeing what the issue was at the very beginning of this film, which is whether or not this midwife should be held accountable because of this mm. tragedy. And we should point and, uh, out that uh, all the way through this film, that trial is the trial of the midwife for, like, yeah. like the mother has basically in, taken this midwife to court and is suing her, and that trial is taking place tangentially but you never really see it except the occasional splash on a screen of like this is happening or they mention like the case and it like the the, the trial and it's because Thank it's God. because it's shot from her perspective like the the trial is not an issue she it's over there it's I really appreciated yeah. that I love when it's in I the background that. but I do think I'm going to agree with Jeff that uh overall especially cuz this movie ends uh I like completely yeah, leaning into a metaphor I yeah. think I agree with you there's a lot of metaphorical stuff in here and you know, anyone who's taken a writing class or read, you know, any books on writing and stuff, you got to be careful with your metaphors. They're, they're easy to spot. So if they're not handled, you know, masterfully, it's easy yeah. to kind of just have too much coming at you. And I'm not going to say that I disliked anything about the way they used them. But if somebody were to say there were too many metaphors to me, I think I would understand why they felt like, okay, it was just, it was all out the, in the script. And then they end the movie with a very strong, you know, dramatization of one of the yeah. metaphors that she keeps bringing up throughout the film and she keeps dealing with in private and stuff. So I don't know, I guess, uh, let me ask you this question. Let me, let me ask it more pointedly. Was the issue that this movie was about, do you think the issue was strong enough to carry the entire plot of this movie? Or do you think there was some, there was some character development that was forced into the, you know, square into the round hole to try to justify this issue? Did it, did it all work for you guys or did you get a little, well, see, for for me, the for me, the issue was grief, and it right. was it was there were at least three different characters dealing with grief in three different ways. Like she she went fully robotic. She was feeling nothing. She was doing things to try and make herself feel anything. Um, he went the other way where he was trying to quick fix it. It's like if I do this one thing, it'll be better, yeah. and like and making these like big sweeping choices to change their lives. And of course that doesn't work either. You've just, you've just got to get through the thing. And the mother opts for revenge. Like she goes the path of anger and wants someone to pay. She wants a villain. 
and it, it mm-hmm. was it was a really interesting case of like three different styles of dealing with grief yeah that's why i wish i wasn't quite as committed to the working class trope even though i think he's an awesome actor too i wish he had and and you know what this isn't necessarily his fault because the, they were just they were polar opposites which is fine and and i think if i'm just guessing and, and it's good that we're talking story and not you know what i mean it's not like right or wrong yes or no like it's probably a good sign that i'm having this kind of thought but because well, i, I can't budget for this yeah exactly exactly <laughs> she's she's so like able to be smart and successful and articulate in society. And he's so not that yes, they're peas in a pod and he, their, their, their love for what the child would have been, would have saved this relationship to some extent. Well, at least for a while, we, 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 I think that's fair to assume his, his working class thing, which is a choice, but if for some reason, I don't know if maybe like when he showed up and said it, it could have settled. I, I don't know. I, I can't speak to that kind of stuff, but for some reason, it, it was a little unrealistic. So it became more about the chemistry and for me and less about what you were saying, David, three people like the characters took over more so than their separate storylines, which I think could have been an interesting angle. And maybe it was just the, like, yeah. the naturalistic slice of lifeiness of this. It's obviously drama. It's obviously kind of high drama, but hmm. it was filmed very naturalistic and slice of life. So maybe yeah. that muddles it because a lot of their scenes are together and shy is, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But, no, I but think yeah. I agree with you, dude. I think he may have, I think he, because that's what, that's why I asked you all that question about the casting. Cause I kept, I started getting distracted and I couldn't tell if it was a script story directorial issue or if I just didn't really buy that Shia LaBeouf and her would have been in this position in the first place. The, uh, the way that they were playing their characters and you might be right. I think you keep going back to Shia and I, I don't dislike him and I don't think he did a bad job, but I do feel like it became this kind of, it, it felt so binary in some ways, their, their opposites that I felt like it was kind of predictable what was happening as opposed to, <laughs> yeah, as opposed to what <laughs> Dave was saying, which was, I guess I was hoping for a more nuanced dissection of grief. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I feel like the characterization may have gotten in the way of just showing these three different point of views. And it became about this character that he was playing that stood no chance to survive right. in that relationship with her character. I, I don't know. I don't know. I hmm. did not dislike this. I know if I was right. in Venice and I saw this movie, I would think like that was, that was damn good. And if yeah. it wins a bunch of awards, I'm not going to be shocked at all. When I watched it here in my house though, I was resistant. I was a little sad during the characterization got in my way a bit. And I felt really down after watching this movie. Hmm. And, I, and I think that just kind of sucks. And I think maybe I'm just trying to kind of justify why I felt so shitty because even I mean, sad, was, you know, even certain sad movies watch. should make I, you feel something. It's a rough watch. I'm not sure you're supposed to walk away from that feeling good at all. Um, I, like I do want to talk well, about the ending. The, the, ending, talk... the ending tilts up, though. I think I it think does. it's fair to yeah, say to everybody the, the ending, ending tilts up. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether it goes above what you experienced in the first bit, and I, I want to come back to that one just for a second. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they actually shot that. They allowed three days to shoot that, and they shot it. They got it in two. Uh, they did six takes over the first wow. two days. Four takes on the first day and two takes on the second day. And they they had it at take four is the one that went in the movie. That's they awesome. Had it, they had it at take four. It's like when and there was no CGI whatsoever in the entire thing, wow. uh, except for removing one lamp on the ceiling. So that whole nice. first sequence. And I think they did a little bit of um uh, pro, like cover up work on the baby baby bump prosthetic because it got yeah, damaged I, on one of I, the takes. Yeah. So they had to cover up some damage from like the previous take, but 
yeah, it was that was all hundred percent. And as someone personally who's done a nine minute oneer, <laughs> that's a hell of an at? achievement. Um, <laughs> how's your back doing yeah. from that? You're doing okay? Did you go to yeah, yeah. I, I, I used to be six foot. <laughs> Dave, what do you think they yeah. were doing that on? Was that a Steadicam? It was, oh yeah, they they were. Um, I I know they had an uh, Alexa Mini. Um, but I'm guessing it was either on a Movi or a Ronin or something. Probably a Movi. Um, God damn, dude. Yeah, because you. I mean, on a Steadicam, you won't get down to the floor because you've got yeah, yeah. like you either flip the Steadicam, which means you can't go high, or you're on a you're on a Movi. And I'm guessing they. I just that want to way. point out. I just want to point out from a technical standpoint of acting technique, um, and and direction, uh. Whenever I teach acting, I would always dedicate at least one class to um, just trying to build intimacy. That's it. Just connection between the two actors in whatever dynamic of the relationship was. So my favorite part about the that first uh, one was not the big, heavy, dramatic birth moments. Hmm. It was the little moments of the way they were just dealing with their relationship with her pain, before hmm. her pain. It, it really had less to do with the... You know, the big seismic shifts and is the baby coming? Is the baby going to make it? It was all about them just having these tiny little relationship moments. And again, uh, maybe a lesser director, a lesser editor, whoever would have said, you know what? I think we can cut this up a little bit. I'm so glad they didn't. I wanted all of that stuff because, as Jeff said, it established this this incredible slice of life dramatic tone, which I would I, I think a lot of people resist that kind of that kind of tone and kind of movie. And I would challenge you, watch this first 30 minutes and tell me if they don't fucking nail it. In the, like, well, also, you, in, in the words of the director, when they asked him about it, he was like, if you if you put a cut in there, it gives the audience a chance to escape. It takes them back a little bit. In right. this one, you're in, you're in this for 22 minutes. There is no right. escape from what's going on. You're you're ta- taking the ride with them. And I, I can, feel like that was so a, an amazing choice. And you could take some so breaths, good. as I was trying to, to say before. Like, there's a couple of moments where you can go for a second and just exactly. take yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah usually when it goes to a title card that's it <laughs> so so this so the movie i think we're, we're covering the movie this is an oscar podcast vanessa kirby's nominated for everything it's a tough category this year but let's talk about her for a little bit because she is as dave said before she kind of takes the robotic approach to grief but part of the character and story of everything they they, they throw her into confrontational situations a lot mm. which challenges what she does so arc yeah. beginning to ends obviously what happens at the trial like how how did her, just just looking at her storyline how, how would you rate that how would you feel about that i loved it hmm. i mean i i loved her as um yeah anyone who's seen the crown um yeah i think she's she's been grabbing some attention and i think she's she, you know we, we all knew that she she had something real special i loved her character on that and i thought this was uh in spite of what I was saying about whether or not I, I loved every moment of her chemistry with Shia LaBeouf in the latter hour and a half of this movie, I thought she was put in interesting positions. It almost felt like she was in a few different styles of of movie almost, yeah. and I felt like she she excelled in all of them. And for you know, again, just to just to highlight what we were saying about how it does kind of pull itself back up towards the end. What she does on, uh, in testimony of that courtroom scene yeah, is really cool. is really incredible. Mm. And even though it's kind of unrealistic when she comes back and like approaches yeah. the court and like gives a speech yeah. to the court, if you can kind of just brush that technicality of would that actually happen in real life aside, she's she delivers a very a very like cathartic what you hope for kind of ending without it sounding sappy, which mm-hmm. is hard to mm-hmm. do as, as an actor. Like the audience is waiting for you to give us that, and she didn't give it give us uh, give that to us because of us. She needed to say that, and I feel like. 
the acting was just was just so fantastic. I, I feel I'm like not, again, like, I'm not shocked she won in Venice. With one of, with one of these movies, you go in and you're like, all right, so what what did she get the nomination for? And that it, she answers that question at least three or four times during this film. I yeah, yeah I completely yeah. agree. Even though yeah. there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of fun moments when um, you know, she's just walking around the city, she's thinking, she's going into her in her into her work, and it's silent, and she's thinking and just kind of. Re- reflecting and seeing of course there's lots of shots of her seeing children in in the city that she lives in i think it's boston and you know just her kind of dealing silently with what it feels like to you know have lost a child and and i think that uh they they weren't too much and and as much as you can credit an actor i mean a director Mm -hmm. and a a really wonderful dp for how to capture those moments delicately if you have an actor that is overselling that shit you're dead in the water so i think she was just so realistic with all that stuff because they did that to her like five or six times they put her next to like a child or in some situation where she had to remember what happened to her and she never overdid it so even though i like i still agree with you dave she used the robot approach she did not feel dead to me at all right she felt she felt fucking it felt like the wound was still bleeding every night and she had to clean it out and it was just hmm. she just didn't want anyone to know she had to clean it out every single night, but she did. It was it was disgusting and and wonderful. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's give her the go. She deserves <laughs> it. She was awesome. She was awesome. Kudos to her for the nomination. We'll see if her luck comes to fruition in two that's weeks. A, that's tough a tough category. field. It's a tough, tough field, field. Yeah, tough field. We'll talk about our picks next and, week. Shout out last 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 little thing. Just a little trivia note. Shout out to her for going after this role. Apparently, she read the script and fucking called them up. Went to Hungary or I can't remember what town they met in, and she she told them how much she loved it. She fought for the role. She wanted to make this movie. Man, so uh, I saw it's you know so I could great see having that. money that you yeah. can just fly to directors a city and, produ- and talk yeah. to the director. Yeah. <laughs> directors and producers, you chose wisely. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, friends. Well, that is Pieces of a Woman, which is available on Netflix. It has been for a while, as I'm sure you know, listener. I'm sure you know it's out there. Give it a go. That 30 minute sequence is awesome, 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 awesome. So, All right, mm. we're gonna take a quick break to pee and uh, recoup, and then we are gonna come back with Mads Mikkelsen. Becoming a select, a select uh, some kind of alcoholic for sure. <laughs> An alcoholic on a mission, people. All right, in another round. We'll see you soon. And we're back. We're back. We're back, baby. Hey, hey. Welcome back, back everyone. And we are here to talk about a movie that I think all of us knew was going to be a really, really fun premise that was also probably going to get kind of sad, but also really fun. <laughs> a little sad, but really fun. Yeah. 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 Another round. This is another round. It stars Mads Mickelson, who you probably know from Casino Royale, Hannibal, and it's Mads fucking Mickelson, people. It's Mads Mickelson. Get with the picture. All right, this is directed by Academy Award nominee Thomas Vinterberg, who I was hard on the nomination when it came out, if Dave will remember, because I was really hoping that Regina King would get a nomination for One Night in Miami. Um, Mm. We'll talk about, we can talk about that next week, but he's nominated. That's the fact. That's how it is. Uh, He has had other films that you may know, including The Hunt, starring Mads Mikkelsen, and Far from the Maddening Crown. Crowd, sorry based on the Thomas Hardy novel, which starred Carrie Mulligan, who you may know is nominated for an Oscar this season as well for Promising Young Woman. 
So another round, another round. This is four friends, all high school teachers in Denmark, we should say, test a theory that they will improve their lives by maintaining a constant level of alcohol in their blood. To elaborate on that a little bit more, they all believe they have become boring and uninspiring in their middle age. Their families are, family lives getting a little boring. Their teaching's getting a little boring. So they test this theory that, <laughs> I actually like the way it's phrased in the film, which is that man is born with a 0.05% blood alcohol content deficiency. <laughs> and they, they need a 0.05% BAC in order to behave at optimal standards. So they test out the theory slowly but surely. By slowly, I mean two days. <laughs> and then they're yeah. off and running. And they try to maintain a 0.05% blood alcohol content. Of course, that gets upped at some point throughout the movie. And of course, it makes their teaching a little bit better, but maybe a little bit worse. And it makes their love life a little bit better, but maybe a little bit worse. But that's the premise it is a test of the theory for two hours, available on Hulu. Who would like to go first with their opening or initial thoughts? I mean, this this opens with a sports-oriented drinking game. If there was ever a movie that belonged on this show. I know, honestly, right? <laughs> honestly. What did you guys think? Dave, I kind of wanted to ask you this, like, hmm. initially, just because I was very excited what, to I'm watch Australian? this movie. Yeah, honestly, dude. Like, not coming from America, because I think Just America... Just I'm Australian doesn't mean I drink. Crack! <laughs> crack that beer, by the way! <laughs> Dave has to wake up in six hours. <laughs> no, honestly, though, I do think that... Uh, I've, and, and, of course, let's just make a, a very obtuse public service announcement from the Love of Cinema podcast. Of course we are not. We are drinking podcasts. Of course yeah. we are not fans of alcoholism or anything stupid. I meant, I meant this, to I say this movie that comments, in my... No, yeah. I mean, I think this movie comments beautifully on what happens when you do go in the bad direction with this. However, mm. I will. I, w- I want to premise this question to you by saying I think America is very puritanical about a lot of things. And I think one of those things is how we approach drug and alcohol usage, not addiction, usage. And I was just curious what it felt like watching as somebody who who isn't from here, because I mean, you and I love we, each other and we, we've lived together for years. And like, I feel like we, we've had plenty of fun times. We've talked about this issue before. Mm that I think Americans have a very kind of a grim take on people who They really like to attach stigma to, to it. Yes, there's a stigma attached to everything, yeah. right? And sex, drugs, alcohol. And what yeah. was it like watching this movie as somebody who's not from here? Did you think about Americans watching this movie while you were watching it? Not at all. Good. <laughs> not one bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. You, yeah. No. You. You guys deal with your own issues. I. I. I yeah. Uh, this. Uh-huh. This was actually. It's really funny because this um, reminded me in tone. I don't know whether you've seen it because it's a British film. The Full Monty. Oh yeah. yeah. Reminded me in tone of that. It's like you know four friends who come up with this, you know, psychological essay to justify their day drinking, and. It's you know it it goes well at first. <laughs> it goes well at first. It goes yep. well at first, and it's fun. And uh, like I would actually hearken this back to um, like it's full Monty with a little bit of Wolf of Wall Street thrown in. They introduce mm-hmm. you to the party and then turn the lights on. Yeah, and, and it's and like to, the party doesn't look as that. good as you think it did. <laughs> 
Well, it does. It, you know, to a certain extent, I feel like there's still so much up to interpretation. And it mostly says about how you feel about alcohol usage, doesn't it? Because yeah. I wanted to ask you, Dave, also, did you get to listen to the Deacons interview Thomas Vinterberg a couple weeks ago? Oh, so they had a really they had a really fun interview with him. And um, all of his movies, The Hunt, The Celebration, uh, Far From the Maddening Crowd. This man is was initially a member of the, the Dogma 95 group, Lars von Trier. The Celebration didn't even have his name attached to the film, and it was so acclaimed that he became famous and because of that, almost literally. And a lot of their films, but specifically his films, are dealing with some kind of taboo issue like this, and they kind of turn it on its head. And they like to make you have to deal with something that you think, okay, morally or ethically, this is a binary situation. And it's not. It never is. Um, I think the case in point is in the middle of this movie when Mads Mikkelsen is finally enough drinks deep to get his mojo back for as a teacher to get his confidence hmm. and his charisma back as an, as an inspiring history teacher in this high school. He asked them that experiment. Would you rather be this kind of person, this kind of person, or this kind of person? And he basically lists off, this guy was uh, an alcoholic, oh, the, the, he was polio-ridden, blah, the blah, what, blah, Yeah, the what, who would you vote so, for experiment? Yeah. Who would you vote for? And the last person, uh, the second person is similar, drinks too much, has this much to drink, Pills. maybe has this kind of bad history. The third person is uh, is has never drank, blah, 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 and he ends up saying, you know, great, you voted for Hitler. You voted for the guy who was totally clean and never made a mistake. Yeah, you skipped, you skipped, over, his, you skipped over, like... What like Washington and was it Franklin? It was Delano Franklin, Roosevelt, Delano Roosevelt and, and Churchill, Winston Churchill, Churchill, and Hitler. Yeah. yeah, and he was just making the point that like the world is never as you expect it to be. And anyway, going back to that podcast, he said he wanted to make this film because he felt like the world had become so, so ethically and morally controlled. And because of the, the technology and stuff, there's so much control in our day-to-day lives that he wanted to explore the uncontrollable. And I do think that there is something to be said about trying to find that, you know, that sweet spot with that buzz. I think we do it every fucking week when we're trying to talk about movies. And uh, it ended up yielding an, an entire tale about what it means to be alive and deal with anxiety and failure and success That's what and relationships. Really about, yeah. I mean, there's even a and throwback I, I to that in, the, loved it. in the, the verbal exam at the end. Yes, yes. Um, where they, he's asked to explain yeah. anxiety, and it's, yeah, it's how one deals exact, with I think he says something like, that's how you do metaphor in a movie, that's people. How that's you do how you do metaphor. That is how you do fucking metaphor, dude. They fucking nailed it. I don't know if it happened any more than that one time, but yep. it means to be to realize that you are fallible, and that without realizing that you are fallible, you can never love anything else, because the entire world and everything else is fallible. Uh yeah, I don't know. I felt like this was uh this was a movie that would never get greenlit in America because of those those things I was talking about. Puritanical. I mean, it, it did. It, it, it had come it would, with five warnings scrolling down the screen at the beginning of it. It would, it would or it would be like an old school. It would be like a comedy. When you they know? when uh, they made Beer Fest, the beginning yeah. of that movie has a, a text right. scroll up the, the screen like these guys are professionals. If you drink this much this much beer, you will die. And yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if that's a joke or if they made them put it there. Um, Don't you feel like this movie handles it so responsibly? Like It does. There it is sh- that, it- that Wolf of Wall Street side of you. I totally agree, Dave. There's that mm. Wolf of Wall Street that's like, let's see them get into some trouble. I can't wait for them to get a little too yeah. wasted. But then it, it counters it with such sincere, grounded drama with one of my favorite mm. characters in the film. And it doesn't correct itself. 
it still no. lives in the ambiguity and it ends with the most life affirming fucking scene I've seen in a long time. I don't know if you guys reacted that way too, but that final scene yeah. blew me away, dude. I was, I was, I was almost brought to tears. I cracked I was so a beer. Touched by it. Yeah. Yeah. I cracked a beer. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? Oh, we, I had, I had, I have a family, I I never call my family member as that when they they have criticism about the film, but I had a family member basically didn't believe from the, from the text he got from his wife, which we haven't talked about in this podcast until the very end. She was like, I don't know. Some of this seems a little too, like a little, the the wife thing seemed a little maybe unrealistic or then the drinking with the kids, like something about it. But at the same time, I was kind of, I kind of took it as like, this might be his last hurrah. You know, but maybe that's wishful thinking for me. Maybe he's going to continue being an alcoholic. So it's well, it's a really Jeff. You can you can tell that family member. Okay, I'll tell that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with them. I it's just yeah. There's I think I think they handled it really well, and I, I definitely think I used the word surrogate like six times in our episode last week. Mads Mikkelsen is the perfect surrogate in this. So, yeah. so, so he's the lead of this movie. We talked in the last movie that we had that single focal point. We had other characters, but it was really one person. This movie, I, I actually wrote down to this. I was like, Jesus Christ, Like I've never seen Mads Mikkelsen so boring. And not only boring, uninteresting. Because he's such a kind of strange looking. I, I'm not saying he's not unattractive. I'm not saying Very he's unattractive. But like everything I've seen him in, we, we recently did... Um, was the movie with him and Alicia Vikander, the a royal, royal affair. affair. And it's like, yeah, every time you affair. see him, there's something just, you can't stop watching. It's just strange. Mm. And like, and he was so not just boring, but uninteresting. And then the next line, after I said that he asks his wife, am I, have I become boring? And that's really what this movie yeah. is about. Is it's that question. Have I become boring? And what's really cool, back to what you said, Dave, about the opening montage, about it's basically a race around a lake. They have to carry their own beers. They have checkpoints where they have to chug. So what we call in America a case race where you're up all day, you have to drink an entire case. They basically do that in teams while racing around the lake. So they all have to chug the whole case worth. Beer and and cardio. It's like, exactly, exactly. And so you open with that and then you go to Matt's (laughs) and he's so boring. And it's like, you don't need that. You don't need to know that college kids or which to them is like 18 19 whatever they're drinking their ass off and having the time of their life and making and like handcuffing police officers and hugging police officers i mean it was a really wild opening montage yeah you don't need you don't need that context to see him be boring but well, the, you know, the drinking age as well in that in that country is 16 um I, and they've yeah. been trying for years to turn it to make it 18 Honestly, I, I they shouldn't because of binge drinking. And I know this is about like that sequence is binge drinking, obviously. But within hmm. America, there, there's a lot of research. Anyway, I'm not a scientist, but apparently there's a lot of research where when you can't drink, the, the only opportunities you can, you overdo it because you only get so many. Whereas if it was legal, you'd have more people being willing to not drink. You know what I mean? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm not a scientist. Don't quote me or endorse me on any of those points I just made. But it's interesting when you watch a movie like this and you think about it because the whole movie is not about alcoholism. The whole movie is what happens when you're middle-aged and you ask the question, have I become boring? And what leads to a midlife crisis, I think, I'll know soon enough, is is how you answer that question. And they answer this question with, what if we drink again? Maybe that'll return us to our youth. Hmm. I remember I I answered it with karaoke when it came my time. (laughs) Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. What is the... uh... The number you always like to do from feed uh, me, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That and Rocky Horror Picture Show, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. That goes, think, that uh, really goes down in an American sports bar. I highly recommend it. 
it's it's amazing every single time. Also, I wait, I should, Jeff, I should gonna, say too. I'm the wife, the you. wife says, the wife, who is not a Hollywood wife, she's awesome, she's attractive. She says, "Well, fuck, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, you have become boring. I'm sorry. You're <laughs> like, not the man. <laughs> I think she says, she says, yeah, you're not fuck. the man I married. And she says it the way you're supposed yeah. to fuck. She didn't say it like, oh, yes. this is dramatic. She basically said yeah. it like, you're not the man you married. I'm probably not the woman. I want to get to whatever. the. I want anyway. I do want to get to the acting in a little bit, because mm. like every foreign film from really prestigious European filmmakers and actors and directors, it's like they're on a whole other world. But yeah. before I get there, I want to see, I'm going to see your family member for saying, I don't know if that was totally believable, but I'll raise them by saying that detail mattered so little to me because whether or not his wife texted him at the end, I did feel what, what you were kind of saying, Jeff, not necessarily that it was his last hurrah. But it was the last time he was going to question whether or not he should live life to the fullest. He was going to have a good time with his friends in the name of his friends passing, in the name of his his students graduating, because that was the life, the way his life was going to be. I think the fact that his wife did text him was just this, you know, it was this lovely icing on the cake. Whether or not it had to be there, I, I, I don't know. I could see how somebody might not think mm. it was totally believable. But it didn't take anything away from me from how excited he was to live shamelessly again. I mean, to get I, back to that place yeah. where his students were, where they were excited about fucking life again. Like, I feel is there like anything more important than that? I feel like the, the text message might have been the result of a test screening and everyone going, you didn't really wrap up that storyline. I could see that. I could see that. Uh, my favorite, real, like they that. used, yeah. I, I liked how they used text messages in this movie. We've seen it done a lot of creative ways. And, you know, when it's done really well, I think it's always fun. They went to like the silent movie scroll. Yeah. So they would just cut to a black screen. That's and what I say. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite moment in this entire film, which maybe will say something about <laughs> how I feel about substance use in your life. I do think it can be something that is that, that that can be not be used as a crutch or something negative, but that can enhance your life. Is when he finally goes on his camping trip with his wife and his kids, and it cuts to a black screen, and it says zero point zero percent. Yeah. And it just wanted to show us that. Because he had made that comment earlier on after he very beginning, when he first started drinking, it's increased the quality of life when I'm sober as well. And they kind of let it go for a little bit. And then mm. maybe 20 minutes went by and then they showed us that screen. And he had, you know, just such a great time with his kids and, and his wife. And I don't know. I just thought it was that was the essence of that film for me, because when it went really far with the alcoholism, alcoholism for one of the characters and showed us an extreme situation of abuse, that gave me you know, one color of how this story could go. That was not the majority of their, of their, you know, experiences. And I was just so happy that they, yeah, that they had cool. the, the bravery to try to do that. Cause I, I don't think they would have tried to do that in a, maybe in another place in a country other than Denmark, where the, the alcohols, uh, the alcohol use is apparently higher than even most other European yes. nations, which, you know, it's the drinking age is lower than it is in the United States. What was y'all's, what did you guys feel like was the, was there ever a moment in this film that you felt was like actually unbelievable? Or did you feel like it grounded itself? Cause I felt like it was totally grounded. hundred oh, percent grounded. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did too. Yeah. So the gimmick of this, like when somebody tells you what this movie is about, it's kind of a transition here to the foreign film, the acting, the direction thing. When somebody tells you what this movie is about, again, if somebody were to pitch this story to us in America, I think we could kind of envision what the American version would be of this. And yet, as Jeff said at the beginning of this yeah, in the introduction, the, the American version is leaving Las Vegas. Exa- <laughs> Honestly, dude, 
it trans it transcends itself into something that is somehow life affirming and sad. Mm. How, and you know how do you, how do you achieve that? Thomas Venterberg's daughter passed away at the very beginning of the filming yeah, of this movie. Four days in. She passed away in a car accident, and yeah. apparently she was part of the inspiration for this, to, to talking to her father about the drinking culture and the youth of Denmark yeah. and kind of got him wanting to tell this story. And she it was made him film. want to make this. She was That's supposed nice. to be in this hmm. film, right? Uh, she, or, I don't know. The four days into shooting, like she was cast as, uh, the, the, his two kids were originally a son and a daughter. Right. Uh, and yeah, she was cast as the daughter, but oh, no, they had to man. recast. I just feel like the uh, the way he spun this, the way you know the real life meeting of his, of the tragedy that happened in his personal life, we'll never know what the original script said. Yeah, but also I just feel four like days into the, shooting and to carry on, like that. Can you imagine? Yeah, can you imagine? But the way he turned this into something that was so uh, ambiguous, which, which again, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure there are some people who would watch this movie and still feel like it was more of a tragedy than anything else. When that little boy specs held that guy's hand in the soccer game when they're, <laughs> I mean, I started crying. I was, I was very moved, but I ultimately did feel that like, this is a, I think everyone on fucking planet earth should watch this movie right now. Yeah. Like not only have we all been possibly drinking I mean, a little more than normal during pandemic, yes. but I do think we are living in a, a zeitgeist right now that, that makes us feel like there are more opportunities because of technology and because of all the other, um, let's say influences from social media and certain movements politically and otherwise that make us feel like we should know exactly what is right is what is right and what is wrong, exactly what to do and what not to do. This movie is a lovely reminder that you have no fucking idea what to do. Mm. And the older you get, the less, you know, so go fuck yourself, have a couple drinks and relax. Also, <laughs> I really like that. According to their board of health, we could do approximately four shows a week and still be considered. Okay. <laughs> I think we should do it until we, we bring back. We was it really that bad? Then it's two shows. <laughs> the franchise face-off had us in a had us at Denmark levels. I yeah, think. That was yeah. Tough. we're at like six <laughs> movies a week and drinking a case. Um, we should also med- we should also just reiterate too that there were rules in this game, which which helps. Mm. So it's not just about alcoholism. And the rules are ironic if you think so. In the movie, it makes total sense because they're actually asking, can they be functional alcoholics without crossing the line into proper alcoholism? And their rules are they have the 0.5. And I think we all they, know how that's going to go. Sorry, not 0. 0.5, 0.05% <laughs> is, is there. They, they have breathalyzers to test it. And they can't drink after 8 p.m. or on Except the weekends. Except the one guy who tried to breathalyze himself with the baby monitor. Oh, my God. Yeah, so the, all those details <laughs> are really funny. I mean, the, the, the fact that the guy coach the one teacher coaches kids soccer and he's drunk and so john said like oh and then he held speck's hand he almost cried unless you realize that like the drunk man is holding hands with the little kid which again in america that's a faux pas like it's just you know Hmm. if if you realize that like the alcoholic is like i I love that scene where the kid asks for a drink and he's like no no piss off this is you give him a drink these are great. And then the, the other kid's like, why don't you give him a drink? And he's like, if you want to play in this game, you give Specs a fucking drink. Um, yeah. And then obviously, you know, they, they have the Hollywood moment. They they know they know that this is a movie. And, and so they do the goal. Like Specs scoring a goal probably wouldn't happen. But that's a totally fine and justified. Would the wife text at the end? Probably not. But it's like sometimes it's okay to remind people that this is entertainment. Because it, when a movie's so powerful and, and, and passionate, rather than be um, an actual, a mirror rather than it be uh, a what could be. It's like, this is still a movie. This is still an idea. Hmm. They have a politician's drunk 
montage. That montage is amazing. And it comes in, a, so in an almost unexpected <laughs> so place. You see Bill Clinton laughing his ass off with, I have no idea who that is. And I should, I guess. But like all of these politicians who are stumbling and, and clearly drunk. And I'm guessing, I'm just going to go ahead and assume they did the research and they know that these people were drunk at this particular time. And like out of nowhere, like and they didn't turn TV on and this happened. The movie turned into a montage and then it turned back out of the montage. There are so many, I, I, by the way, I play the piano and I want to be this guy that goes to the bar and the entire bar is singing and he's like basically not wearing any clothes. And it's like, but so good, dude. But as you, but, but as you said, oh, Jeff, Dave, come back you, to New York. It, we can make you that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as you said, Dave, really, really, really well, it's like they, they introduce you to the party, and then they turn the lights on. And even while that was yeah. happening, you know, those I mean, lights there, were there are. Yeah, it does. It does turn into a little bit of a cautionary tale. They like obviously they take it too far because <laughs> yeah. the, the experiment, they're like, well, you know, we've gone this far. Let's go this far. And it it does go too yeah. far. It's it like the best message out of this. Yeah, the best message out of this, I think, is not everyone's point one is the same. Oh my god. Why do they do what that? Are they called the term the term yeah. they use is uh, ignition. Yeah. For for example, if you look at our cameras right now, I've drunk three nine percent beers since this show started. John's We're drunk, drunk one ten John's drunk one ten percent beer and you look how red his face is right now. So, yeah, yeah. I've got an eight percent going right yeah. now. You know what? Are we not having fun on this podcast? I don't know. I just got to come back. I do. I do agree with you that it goes like it shows you the cautionary tale, but mm. he doesn't relinquish his message. No. Like the, the ending of this film, right. and it's. I, I don't think it's just because they're trying to vindicate what would Thomas do. The the gentleman who, spoiler alert, there's a tragedy that does happen because something goes too far for somebody. It's Tommy, and, and that's his I, name in real life, and he was in the celebration. So I'm pretty sure this role was. He was in. For yeah, him. he's in a lot of Thomas's films. And they say, you know, what would Tommy do when they're sitting together, kind of lamenting him after the funeral? I don't think the only reason they start drinking again is because it was, you know, his funeral. I think that they realize there is a way to do this without absolutism. There well, is a way yeah, that's, that's to the engage thing. Like, in. The, yeah. mov- the movie engages in these guys are doing this thing. It's funny. It's great. Okay, they've gone too far. And then they have that moment of realization where, like, okay, here's, here's the benchmark. Here's where we stop. And that is the thing. It's like they're kind of preaching a little bit of drinking, but also moderation and living your life. And this, the, like the the messages, if you look for them, are, are really good in this. I think so too. It's not it's not a yeah. uh, control or no control. It's hmm. it's a reasonable amount of responsibility. Yeah, and find you, your you, point. And you know what's also yeah. a really uh, good takeaway of this is that danish public school teachers are very 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 well paid compared to american public school teachers <laughs> these people all they have are. really really nice houses also um i i wrote out uh mads mickelson crying at the dinner table with his friends because this is the first time he's had you know an emotional excited drink with friends I said, that's how we all pretend we are going to be when we get out of quarantine. But the truth is we're going to be with friends and we're going to get anxious and we're just going to want to go home under a blanket and sweats again. I mean, I think you're totally right, sadly. I do think there is truth to that. 
but I want it to be but, like but this. Your right? theme, your theme, John, is this whole like all of these movies. Even though Bill Maher went in a whole rant this week about how Hollywood is telling us blank because of the Oscars, it's all bullshit. I, I, Bill Maher, I agree that all the movies are downers, but the premise is bullshit. It, it, we, it, Hollywood's not the, the Academy yeah, Awards is not telling Bill, us anything. They're fucking Bill votes. bullshit. He they're, lost it years ago. It's all kind of random. They're, they're, it's votes. They're all voting. They're not telling us what to do. They're not saying by Greenwood yeah. winning. They're telling us yeah. anything. It just means that a lot of old white people are voting and whatever. But in this particular situation, the right movies are coming out at this right time. Are a lot of them downers? Yes. I'm so sorry to say that's probably where we are and that's reflective. I don't think anybody's telling us to watch this movie over any other movie. I'm pretty sure the only movie this year that has an explosion in it is Tenet. (laughs) I mean, and that's, and you know what? And you're right, because a year or two is dramas. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I completely agree, but but not just about the alcoholism thing, but about like what happens when you feel disconnected. You know, it's like the, yeah. all of these questions. I think this is a good watch. It's not the easiest watch. I, I watched yeah, it during I the day. This, I watched I it during this the day. A lot from this. Um, yes, there are incredibly fun and exciting moments, but the other ones, it is just so well done. The acting is is incredible in this movie. The performances are so I, yeah. real, and it's just it's great. I just want to I just, just want to point out a couple yeah, of things ahead. and pose a question at the end. Um, when they butt out, like they bring out the absinthe, it's gone too far. <laughs> oh, Sazerac is delicious, bro. <laughs> a Sazerac is delicious. Yeah, but your come experiment <laughs> has crossed the line when the absinthe comes out. Oh, it's just, come on. Yeah. Um, the scene between Mads and Maria Bonavi, his wife, in the kitchen, where mm. she kind of, she sounds like she's going to say, I'm going to stay. And then she's like, you can't expect me to wait for you. And like drops that on him. And he just like fucking smashes glasses and stuff. Both of them are phenomenal in that scene. Like Absolutely. she, she gets, she goes to his level instantly, and it's it's amazing. Yeah. Like you can see straight away when she sends the kids to their room. It's like okay, this is not going to go well for him mm-hmm. right now. Um, but the thing I love the most, and I shouldn't have, but I did laugh out fucking loud, nearly fell off my chair. Um, when Mads comes in, and he's gone over the limit. And he's ducking through everyone in the staff room. And he's weaving around. Oh, he yeah. misses all these people and smack up the fucking door frame. And I'm like, okay, that is tragic. Yeah. But holy shit, he nailed that hit. He's so good. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was so good. I was like, this like he can dance, he can nail the physical comedy, he can act. And the question I want to pose is, is he this generation's Christopher Walken? He's I mean, he's one of the best actors of his generation, without a doubt. Like he's out he's and, the Christopher Walken. And I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I think if I had not seen this role, I may have said that anyway, but now that I've seen him in this role, mm. it's like, what can he not do? How does somebody <laughs> yeah. who looks like that be, you know, play a yeah. boring middle-aged person? Like he's And all of his roles I'm that I've seen anyway. up until this point have had real, I don't want to say presence. That's not, that's a misleading word mm. because you can be a meek character, but still have presence as an actor. I know what you mean though. But yeah. they're, they're powerful. They're powerful figures that are and, commanding and it's great in film because you don't want to yap the way that, for instance, I or Woody Allen, sorry to mention him on the podcast. Um, he's made some good movies. Come on. He's made some good movies. All that, I know, I know that all that other stuff is out there. No, he hasn't. <laughs> anyway, anyway, sorry, I mentioned it, but, but, but Mads, <laughs> <laughs> Mads is very powerful usually it was cool. in this he comes back so it's interesting it's interesting that you mentioned Christopher Walken because we remember the tender stuff that he did in post whatever post 2000 I guess you could say where he backed off some of like the the Stephen King and the the deer hunter thing and he just like just had fun making movies and 
Mads might be there. That trust fall that he did is like, I mean, you know, people go to conferences to learn how to do a trust fall that way. And it's like, he makes it so easy. But yeah, you might be right. Yeah. I would turn up to watch him open an envelope on camera, quite frankly. Me too. And give him time. And they did the 15 minutes thing because they introduced the alcohol thing at 14 and a half minutes. So they did it. It was right in the sweet spot. I just could not stop thinking about how um, the judgment that maybe I personally carried for any of these kinds of issues. It's not just alcoholism or whatever. And I, I don't know. I just, I just couldn't, this movie, this movie affected me, dude. Like, even though we do this podcast and I, I kind of couldn't stop thinking about the fact that we did this podcast and, you know, I was excited to talk about this well, movie. We're, drinking, because of by the our, subject we're drinking by ourselves in our rooms in the, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've been making, I've kind of been making this joke to friends throughout 2020. Um, we're kind of reversing the clock. We're going back to like our grandparents' generation. We're all making cocktails at like fucking 3 p.m. and cracking wine and beer as soon as we can. And not that everybody has turned into like a, a terrible alcoholic version of themselves, but clearly we're drinking more than normal. And like, what does that mean? And do you judge yourself for it? And I don't know. I feel like this movie in a very, uh, the, the tone, I cannot congratulate them enough for the tone. We talked about a slice of life, dramatic tone and pieces of a woman. I think this may even top pieces of a woman on how to ground true slice of life. The handheld camera throughout a lot of this action, uh, through, through a lot of the storytelling, as he likes to use in, in a lot of his films, I felt like just mm. perfectly encapsulated the mood and tone that he was looking for. And it, uh. it immediately turned it around on me, which is what I appreciated so much. If the subject matter and the script wasn't enough to make me think about my own issues with this, uh, with, you know, with this particular topic, the way they filmed it made me have to deal with it. This did not feel like mm. a cinematic movie. That handheld yeah. slice of life tone made it feel like I was I, watching my friends. I didn't like and, the cinematography, uh, but I still like the movie. Did you did you Wait. dislike the cinematography? Did you appreciate the cinematography or actually dislike it and not appreciate it? There were times where it was just moving because <laughs> I was like so happy. I'm just so I happy you guys have a I, haven't, I haven't been doing this all episode. <laughs> Sorry, Dave, oh, what, was what was that? What was that? I'm going to really regret giving you that button. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I I just, it didn't, I I hate the fact of moving the camera for just for the sake of moving the camera. So, like, the shaky stuff, it's like you're trying to watch a performance and it's going like this. And it, it was distracting. And I didn't like it because it was distracting, but it didn't take away from the film. Can we laugh about one moment? Mm. There's no way Mads Mikkelsen's kids did not hear him and his wife fucking in the tent, the tent. three yeah, feet yeah, away they from him, the They heard him in the tent. There's no yeah. fucking way they did. They were sitting there like, oh my god, mom and dad are doing it again. Yeah, there's not a lot Awful. of there's not a lot of background noise in the. Woods, I mean, so. given given the way they were at the beginning of the movie, they might not have heard that before. Touché, you're right, you're right, you're totally right. What about this joke? Jeff, my, my, Dave, favorite, my favorite joke. There were a lot of good jokes in this movie. Not many, but the music teacher goes, "I give her." He goes, I gave her the old D sharp. Not great. Not their best work, but uh, we're going we're gonna to let that. He was a little drunk. So if we were drunk, I think we would have let that slide. Oh, Jeff, I Dave, I want to ask slide. you, but before we start talking about this, I do want to ask you very specifically. I don't know how many foreign a, films you guys watch. That was a revenge <laughs> I don't know how many films you guys watch from Europe and stuff, but like, don't you just even if this was the only one you had ever seen, don't you just feel like the way they approach acting in movies is different? Don't you oh, just yeah. feel like there, there's something... Half these there's actors something... don't even have headshots on IMDb and they're just like fucking yeah, nailing these Exactly. Yeah. It's, 
it's just so realistic. There's nothing cinematic about it. And I don't want that to sound negative. I, I can sometimes there are very cinematic, theatricalized performances mm. that are that are legendary. But there's something about these European style films that just feel like there, there's a different style that that elevates the medium to something else. It makes it feel like voy like voyeurism. Like there's something you're just like having to watch these people. Yeah, I, I, like, I feel like when you're watching an, a European and to to a lot of extent a British film, you're not asking yourself, how did they get that job? No, exactly. Honestly, hmm. dude, you're exactly fucking right. That's, you're why, exact, that's why, kind of what I'm saying. It's why Isabel Hubert should have won her Oscar for Elle. And it's why um, I'm so surprised nobody buzzed me for that. I thought you were buzzing yourself. I say your hand go down. Whenever I buzz you, you it doesn't matter. All right, we, we got to wrap this up. Go see another round. This is on Hulu. It stars Mads Mikkelsen, nominated for a couple Oscars. Probably going to win one, but we'll see. People, we got to finish this up. So next week, as we already said, next week, by next week, if you're listening to this in the future, this is April 18th, Sunday, live on YouTube and Twitch. Or if you missed it live, you'll be able to see it. Go through our channel. I'm sure it's going to be on the feed. We are doing our picks. We've seen all of these movies. We 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 have a somewhat educated idea of what's going to be happening. This is so actually let's... the first time, I think, in my lifetime I've seen every single Best Picture nominee going in. Well, awesome, dude. Yeah. Especially yeah. when they expanded good, right? the, you know, five to ten based on how many performances. But it does, yeah, it feels good. I'm happy we did this. Um, yeah. So anyway... Tune in. We'll make the picks. I think we're going to do who should win and who who we think will win because it's not always the same. It's not always the same thing. So you can hear what we're saying. But that's what we're doing. Oscar-centric stuff. It's happening. Oscars, April 25th, Sunday. Any final words? No hosts, which probably for the best because these movies really are, are, are downers. But not downers like... <laughs> they're good to see. Important shit that I... I I'm I mean, glad the, the no the no host seat. broadcasts have been going quite well for everyone. So you know, yeah. Oh, yeah My final so word is: uh, I think you should try finding your point zero five percent blood alcohol content and tell us how it goes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, 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 yeah. No drinking I, I, at night or on weekends. I waved though, to it as I went past it. You waved at it. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, Dave, have a great day at work in like four hours. I can't wait to, to hear how that goes. Everybody else, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good rest of your day or night.